Welcome back. The play-in round is over, which means the NBA playoffs are finally starting. Toronto Raptors play on Monday, and we are here early, giving you guys a complete breakdown of the first round of the playoffs. We're excited. There's lots to discuss. It's an exciting time in the world. Before we get going, ballandroll.com, your spot for the best basketball content on the web. We're going to be covering you guys on everything NBA playoffs from now until forever. Shop.ballandroll.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. Guys, we're getting a Sunday pod in, dropping on Monday. Kevin, what's up? I'm tired, man. I'm exhausted. First of all, the bubble just ended, and, you know, I was taking in a lot of action during the bubble. And then for the past two days, I've slept for like six hours combined. And I've just been like running everywhere, doing a lot of work. And uh, yeah, I just got out of the gym, had some crazy chest, shoulder, and triceps. So feeling massive, massive and swole. But yeah. other than that, man, just like you and John, excited for the playoffs to start tomorrow. I'm going to be working all day. I'm going to be in the office all day. But I'm still going to stream the games, watch it, keep up with the score. You know, might take over here and there. But that's how I'm doing, man. How you, how you guys doing? Dude, I'm I'm pumped. I'm so yeah. ready for this. I've been waiting for playoff basketball for so long. Yeah. And I'm I'm so excited for it to finally start. Like the bubble, like the regular season, like these eight games are just like a small taste of what we're going to get in the playoffs. So I'm fucking ready to go. Yeah, what about yeah. you, John? Hey, man. I got my lucky socks ready, bro. Let's and go. I hope the Raptors don't drop their first game. Because that, that shit always, always breaks my heart every year. Yeah. Whenever they drop game one of a first-round series, that, that just kills me as a Raptors fan. So, fingers crossed, I got my lucky socks ready, and uh, hopefully they take that game. Yeah. John, John so you seem like a man of superstition because you have lucky socks. So, if, oh, that's, yeah, the ca- if, if that's the case, then wouldn't you say last year they won a championship, but they lost game one of the first series, right? Wouldn't you say you want to just repeat that? That might be like a mental re- reassurance for your superstitious mind that they could go for another ring if you follow the exact sort of game plan. See, that could work, but I also have to wear the same T-shirts <laughs> that I wore throughout the playoffs that year. Do like, it, man. Literally everything. Everything needs to be the same. same follow routine, the exact like, same routine as last year. Like exactly, down to yeah. the second. You have to. So I, I have to. It's 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 based on like, superstition but if if i don't it's do science. that the raptors might lose yeah it's science john like i i believe in that too it, it's science at the end of the day a lot mm-hmm. of the times so i uh, it, you know I, I might get a little crazy in a sense as in like i have to take a certain steps uh i have to get off the steps with my right foot at a certain time <laughs> before game time just so you know things go my way so yep. i feel that bro it's it's a science it works and this the, the shitty thing is with the raptors is you, you know they're going to lose the first playoff game, but you're just never ready for it every single time. It just hurts yeah. much deep down. But uh, question of going back to the Lucky Socks, because I have a pair of Lucky Socks. They're like just these blue Hanukkah socks because I'm a, I'm a good Jewish boy, and I wear them for oh, like three important occasions. Like I wore them for my thesis defense. I wore them for my first day at work, my job interviews. Like I wear them all the time. So what, what, what are your Lucky Socks? Like what do they uh, look? What's it's this? like these uh purple teal like Jordan socks. Okay. I don't know why. I, I got them like a long time ago. I don't even like remember when I got them, but I've had oh. them forever. And I just put them on when I'm like feeling nervous about something, and especially Raptors games, because uh I, my feet tend to get cold when I, whenever the Raptors play and they're in a close game. So I need like some socks to keep my feet warm. Yeah, man. The, blood, the blood's just rushing to your head. They don't have time to keep your feet warm. Uh-huh. I feel that. But I think the one thing you're not ready for. So the game one loss, of course, you know your team is better than the eight seed every single time. Or yeah. not the eight seed, like the seven seed or, or bottom seed, whatever it is, right? Yeah. But what you're not ready for is the social media sort of uh, uh, outlash from that bottom seed fan base. The coming uh-huh. at you, saying, uh, acting like they're better than you. I think that's from the Barney memes. I'm sorry. It's, it's not even outlash. It's like a full-on beatdown. Yeah, like they, they like they think they're better. If they were that much better, I don't know why they're listed at the seventh or the eighth seed. Yeah, look, Damon Jones came on to NBA TV last year after the Orlando Magic beat the Raptors <laughs> and said that the Magic got the Raptors exactly where they want them, and the yeah. Magic are going to upset the Raptors. 
the Magic would go on to win four straight games, uh, lose four straight games to get eliminated by the eventual NBA champions. So, But at the same time, okay, so Brooklyn is a really weird team. They are a really weird team as in, like, you look at the roster and face value, nothing really scares you. But they're one of those wild cards that sometimes it could just hit because they have some shooters on that team like Joe Harris. Who else do they got that are shooters? Chris LeVert can really work the paint. Rodion Cruz yeah. can uh, light it up from the outside. Zana Musa can shoot it too. And Jared Allen, he's pretty good in, in the paint. Like, they're they're not a terrible team, but sometimes, like, if you underestimate them, I think they could really take advantage of you. But at the same time, I'm not saying that Raptors will lose to them because I have, in my bracket, Raptors beating them. I think it was in, like, five games. Yeah, five games. Yeah. But, um, yeah. like, Brooklyn can really give you a run for your money because they they played uh, the Trailblazers and in a must-win game for Trailblazers, that game, where uh, Brooklyn came out just firing on all cylinders and nobody had an answer for a guy like Chris Levert in the paint. Uh, Chiosa was uh, playing really well before he got hurt and taken out. Joe Harris was really playing well off the ball, coming off screens and hitting threes. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a scary team in a sense, but uh, what are your thoughts of going, that, that series? Well, well, actually, before we get into that, because you brought up Portland, let's quickly go through that play-in round that happened on Saturday before we jump into Ooh, the first yeah. playoff. And this is and literally what you said about that game is why I feel so weird about Portland. Because offensively, they're electric, they're explosive, they have a ton of weapons. Yusuf Nurkic has made such a huge difference for that team, and obviously Lillard and McCollum are insane and Gary Trent Jr. has been incredible he's been making winning plays throughout this time in the bubble and like Carmelo is he's he's Carmelo he's gonna take weird mid-range jump shots that make no sense but then he's gonna score like 15-20 points every now and then but defensively the Blazers are just so soft yeah and you see it against the Brooklyn Nets like they were so soft defensively against the Grizzlies they were just so so soft and that's what like, that game yesterday against the Memphis Grizzlies, it was, like, every single Portland game that I've seen throughout this time in the bubble. Like, they score a bunch. They have to count on Lillard and McCollum to do a lot. And they pull out a win late because they just have such explosive scores at the end. That's that's kind of, like, my takeaway from, from that playing around. Like, they just have explosive scores to get the job done defensively they're going to struggle they have the 28th ranked defense in the league it's really 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 rough and I I actually also just genuinely enjoyed watching Memphis play because while they didn't make the playoffs and they had a bit of a like kind of like a tragic fall here in the bubble they finally have like a new core that they they're going to be able to build around moving forward with like Jared Jackson and John Moran and Brandon Clark is really good. Dylan Brooks is really good. It's really young, and they have some really nice pieces. But I just can't wait till they they start putting like shooters around them because the Memphis Grizzlies have never shot the three, and they they got to start doing that if they want to win some games. Um, but yeah, that's just my thoughts on the playing around. What did you guys think? So I, I thought didn't that actually the Grizzlies well. played well, but I think that. I, they could have won that game, I think, if they played Brandon Clark a little bit more. I mean, I, I don't want to get on the Anthony Tolliver slander train again because uh, Anthony Tolliver is a god, as I learned last time. Oh, but yeah. I, re- I really think that Brandon Clark, if he had a little bit of more time, maybe it could have swing, swung the game the other way. Just because the way he was playing, he was making plays on the defensive end. He was hitting shots, like a lot of big shots, too. So mm-hmm. I think a little bit of more time for Clark could have helped out the Grizzlies. I also think that John Morant just had some growing pains to suffer throughout that game. He made a lot of turnovers in that game that didn't really make too much sense. And you could just equate that to like rookie mistakes. But Mm -hmm. the future is definitely bright in uh, Memphis because John Morant's doing all this stuff as a rookie. He scored 35 points that game and he went toe to toe with Lillard and McCollum. So you can't blame him for losing because the fact that they're even there is already an achievement in itself. But it just show, goes to show that Portland was the more experienced team going into this playing game. And mm-hmm. that showed in the clutch when McCollum was hitting all those shots. And he's hitting those sh- shots with a broken back, mind you. So that's that's already, like, really impressive, too. Mm-hmm. So I think Portland in general, like, 
they were going to win that game just based off their experience, but mm-hmm. the Grizzlies gave them a good fight, and I think both both teams should be proud with what they did. And mm-hmm. just on another side note, I think they should be doing this play-in tournament every year because it was really exciting to watch just as, like, a person that's a neutral fan that's not even, like, supporting either team. It's really exciting to watch those teams go at it in a win-or-go-home scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I agree, man. But um, so I didn't watch the whole game. I wa- I ended up watching the replay of the fourth quarter, and that's pretty much all you needed to watch because it was absolutely electric that fourth quarter. But going back to the defense part, it's so right. Um, it, this is a very small factor, the uh, losing Trevor Ariza. But at the same time, when you look on the defensive side, that's a really big factor because he's a guy with a veteran uh, mindset who could yeah. come in and do the gritty work that needs to be done. And unfortunately on the starting lineup, I don't really see anybody that does that. Nurkic, of course, he will do a little bit, but when somebody to play alongside the wing or pick up a four, like, I think who Zach Collins is starting on their four right now. Right. I'm pretty uh, sure. I believe he isn't. Is he, he was injured. I believe he, yeah, no, no, I, I think you're right. I think Gary uh, Gary Trent Jr. comes off the bench. He's like the first man. Yeah. Off. So their starting lineup is Lillard, McCollum, Anthony Collins, and Nurkic. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think Zach Collins is coming uh, for. So when you look at the you know playoffs that are about to start, and they're going to be matched up with a team like Lakers, with arguably one of the best fours in the league right now, uh, not an arguably the best four in the league right now, that's going to be an issue. Yeah. For a team like Portland, because it, they struggled against Brooklyn, finding uh, being able to shut down anybody there. They they couldn't figure out a defensive plan for Joe Harris coming off a screen, catching the ball and shooting. Like a guy like Chris Chiozza should not be doing anything because that's not he's not he's not like he's, he's a young buck. I'm sh- maybe he's really good, but I mean if he was really good, he would have been picked up by somebody else before. Like TLC was balling out. This guy's been like being tossed around team to team. Because clearly, uh, no nobody really des- desires for him, right? So, watching Portland struggle like that is an issue. But at the same time, one thing you can always bank on Portland is that they will hit shots. Like they yeah. will get buckets. Like you, you might let the other score, uh, other team score 139 points, as long as you come out and score 140 points. And that's not like Portland's games. It's easy to take the over every single time, no matter what, because they're out there just getting buckets. Well, last night, uh, what, what was the final score? It was like 128 to 120 something, right? Like, yeah. they're, they're willing to pour in buckets because they have bucket getters on that squad, on the bench and on the starting lineup too. Yeah. Um, so we should probably get into um, the actual playoffs now, but like, I completely agree with all the sentiments with the Blazers. And also, we, let's consider that like Rodney Hood's not not there either. Yeah, he got through. And that's a, a wing player that would – I mean, they would probably really want to have now going into their first-round matchup with the with the Lakers. Um, because there's eight first-round series, let's uh, be, stay very wary of our time. So let's kind of go like five to six minutes per per matchup. Um, before we get going, guys, remember ballandroll.com is your spot for the best basketball content on the web. We have a breakdown preview piece for every single first-round matchup up on the site right now. John also just wrote a uh, full breakdown preview of the Raptors and Nets series. Go check that out. Uh, since we have been talking about the Blazers, let's just start off in the West right away. Let's kick things off. Lakers are playing the Portland Blazers. Kevin, I think you have like a weird hot take prediction for this series. Yeah. So we'll we'll kick things off with you, man. Well, yeah. Okay. So the thing is that. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in the underdog every single time. That's just something that I believe in. And a realistic underdog prediction over here is that in uh, out of the most of the teams in the West, one team that could really give uh, Lakers a run for their money is Portland. Lakers, after LeBron and AD, we've talked about this many, many times, uh, there's not many scoring options, not many guys who can go out there and get buckets on their own. Like LeBron and AD, I'm sure they can get 80 combined any single time. But the problem is that Portland is going to come out there and sc- score like 120, 130, or 140 easily. And that's going to be the issue. But I-, I could see issues where, you know, there's nobody to cover LeBron. There's nobody to cover AD. But I think this this series could go seven games and Portland win it. Wow. 
I'll, I'll let you, John. You can you can go you can go next. What do you got for this? Okay, so I kind of see it similar to Kevin, although um, I think the 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 determining factor in this series is going to be the Laker defense because Portland doesn't really have the options to guard a guy like LeBron or AD, so they shouldn't have too many problems on offense. Where this series is going to change is the Laker defense shutting down the Portland offense. They have a top three defensive rating, I believe, um, this season, the Lakers. So the fact that they boast that along with um, just having LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it should be enough to get the win in the series. But Mm -hmm. I I don't see it being a sweep. It's probably going to be six games for the Lakers just because uh, Damian Lillard has been playing so well. And I think his play alone will probably swing one or two games in Portland's favor. Yeah, this series kind of reminds me of when the Lakers and like the Sixers met in the finals when like Allen Iverson was able to swing a couple of games. You know, I think mm-hmm. the same thing is going to happen here. Um, there's just when I look at Portland, I just have no idea who they're going to throw on LeBron and who they're going to throw on Anthony Davis. It's just not going to happen. You know, and the Lakers, like John said, they're a top five defensive team in the league and they don't need their supporting cast to just go off every single game. Like one day it's going to be Kyle Kuzma. Maybe another day it's going to be Dion Waiters. You know, like they don't need those guys to all step up every single game. Right. But because I'm assuming that LeBron and Anthony Davis in the playoffs, when they're going to be more engaged, they're going to play a lot better because that's the thing. I We cannot fall for small sample sizes. Yeah. I think what we saw from the Lakers in that eight games is you saw a disinterested, a disengaged team that essentially arrived to the bubble with the first seed clinched. They didn't care. You know, like LeBron wasn't playing how LeBron played all season. Anthony Davis was on and off. You know, Kyle Kuzma had like one game here, one game there. So I think the Lakers are going to be a lot better now in the playoffs. I think they're far more rested than Portland is. And while a guy like Lillard and I don't know what the status of McCollum's back is going to be, but like those guys can maybe swing and get them, get them like a couple of games. But like ultimately, there's just not going to be an answer for LeBron. There's not going to be an answer for Anthony Davis. There, and all the and obviously the Lakers' defense is just incredible, especially when you get inside the paint. You know the Lake the Lakers are really really good beyond like inside the three point line. And and when the pace slows down in the playoffs, the Blazers are just going to struggle. And that's why I got the Lakers winning this in six games. That's my thought there. Yeah, that, that that's solid. Like I, I mean, the logical answer here is Lakers. And don't don't take it as I'm underestimating LeBron or AD because they are a duo. And when LeBron needs to turn it up, he he can and he has in the past. So I mean, they 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 of course have the. Uh, advantage there, but you know, I, I just like a little wild take. That's uh, that's why we're in Portland, but we'll see what happens. Okay, the next series. Wait, Kev, Kev, you you do know that Charles Barkley also has the Blazers beating the Lakers. Yeah, Charles what? is some Charles is right. Some he also had Raptors last year. Yeah, dude, there's some basketball yeah. that are on your side, so yeah, you never know. Never know. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal, baby. The big round, deal. What is that? The round mound of. Rebound? Kind of rebound. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's so, my type of hey player. Man. That's my president. Weirder things have happened this year, so who knows? Yeah, Raptors won a championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. We got the Clippers, the two seed, versus yes. the Mavs, the seven seed. Let's go in reverse order now. So I'll go, and John, and Kevin, and then Kevin can kick us off with the Nuggets and Jazz. So I think the Dallas Mavericks have a prolific offense it's absolutely elite there have i think they have like the best offensive one of the best offensive ratings in nba history this season they have the top one in the league right now and they're top 10 in three-point percentage they're like top fourth in effective field goal percentage or fourth in true shooting percentage so they can they can shoot the lights out and i think for the mavs it was really really good to see luka Doncic and christos porzingis like absolutely ball out uh, in this bubble so far. Um, that being said, defensively, they suck. And they're going up against probably the deepest team in the playoffs, and the Clippers, and the Clippers are now fully healthy. Harrell's back in, in the bubble. Lou Williams hasn't been to any chicken wing, wing spot lately. And <laughs> I think that the Clippers are 
other than the Celtics, the Clippers are the only team that have, are top five in offense and defense in the NBA. And that's no easy feat to accomplish. So I, ju- I just, for me, it's so hard to see a team like the Clippers losing to the Mavs, no matter how explosive and elite this offense is. So I have the Clippers in six. Like, I'm sure the, the Mavs offense is going to get them a few games. But just in terms of experience, in terms of just talent, I think the Clippers just have the Mavs beat by a ton. So Yeah, I got to agree with you on that one. I mean, I think the sentiment that Dallas had, like, the most uh, efficient offense in NBA history, I think that's uh, the statistic you were referring to. But in this series... I'm looking at it in sort of a historical historical perspective. I think the Clippers are going to pose the same sort of challenge that the Boston Celtics posed to Michael Jordan early in his career or a team like the Detroit Pistons. Just because Luka Doncic hasn't been on the NBA playoff stage yet, I think he's going to go through some growing pains versus a team like the Clippers. And also because they're just designed to shut down the perimeter. When you look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Patrick Beverly, those are three of of the best perimeter defenders in the league. And they can throw those guys at a bunch of other players like Tim Hardaway or Seth Curry. So I'd I'd imagine Dallas is going to struggle a lot to generate their offense. But I'm also going to put a little bit of stock in Luka Doncic's uh, European career because he's been playing meaningful basketball since he was a teenager. He's been winning EuroLeague titles like at 15 years old. So he's he's played really good basketball in high leverage situations before. But mm-hmm. I'd, I don't think it's going to be enough for Dallas to get by the Clippers, especially mm-hmm. because they're just so deep defensively and offensively. And the way I see it, the Clippers are probably going to take it in five or six games, just depending on if Luka Doncic can have one game where he can really show out and play to the potential that we know he can play at. But another X factor in the series is probably going to be Kristaps Porzingis. If he can be dominant for the Dallas Mavericks, it could be a closer series than we expect because the Clippers, in terms of their defensive options for Kristaps, it's probably going to be Zubak and Harrell. So those aren't necessarily the biggest guys or the fastest guys combined to, to guard Porzingis. So that could be a potential X factor in the series. Yeah, um, so I'm kind of on the same boat with you guys where I have Clippers over Dallas in five games. Um, But I'm giving Dallas those uh, two games just purely because – no, no, not two games, one game. uh, Just purely because uh, Luka and Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway, he is – his three-point shot, that shooting mechanics is absolutely beautiful. I was watching the game against Portland and also the game against Utah. He just comes off screens. Uh, he's already in the upward motion when the ball hits him and he releases it. It's one of the most efficient shots I've seen. And, you know, you got you got guys like Porzingis who can step up and also another X-Factor. No, one talk, no one's talking about Boban Marjanovic. Uh, I, you know, being, all, be, being an ex-Clipper player, I feel like he knows the Clipper mindset. So, you know, he might pose a threat to Clippers uh, if you're keeping if up with him. If I can just say one thing before, uh, Kevin, you move us on. Um, I think what John said about Chris Osprezingas is going to be really interesting because Zubak and Harold, they they shouldn't be able to do too much against Kristaps. So if he plays like he has been through these eight games, like the series might get interesting. And like I really want to give a guy like Luka Doncic more credit because he is one of the elite players in the game. But, like, he's going to be facing a lot of Kawhi and a lot of Paul George and a lot of Patrick Beverly on the perimeter. Like, there's, it's not going to be easy for him to score 30 points, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously, like, Tim Hardaway is going to have to be big. Um, Finney Smith is going to have to be really big. Klub, uh, what's his name? Uh, Seth Curry. Maxi Kleber and, and Seth Curry. Like, they're going to... For Dallas to have any sort of shot in this series, they're going to need to hit their shots. Yeah. Like, it's like Dallas, it's like, you know the saying, like, it's a make or miss league? Like, this is it for Dallas. Like, they got to make their shots and a lot of them. And there's going to be a lot of tough shots that they're going to have to make against a Clippers team. Yeah. 
No, I respect 100%. that. Moving on to the next series, uh, number three seed Denver versus number six seed Utah. So uh, earlier today, the news came out that Mike Conley, he's going to be absent for probably the first three games because he's leaving for his uh, uh, kid's birth. Uh, but already itself, I, I, I had Denver winning this in five just purely because one of the biggest issues Utah had before the season even started was a lack of shooters around there. And losing a guy like Bogdanovich, that's a big hit for a team like that. And without Mike Conley there, I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's been quite streaky uh, this year, where he might have a good game here and there. But at the same time, if the, uh, if the defense kind of concentrates on him, uh, he has a tough time generating any sort of offense through him. But they still have a really good coach in Quinn Snyder, Rudy Gobert, who was Richard's favorite player of all time. Um uh, because of that, I have them winning one game, but I have Denver winning in five that series. What do you got, John? Well, I, I kind of see it the same way. I also picked Dev- Denver to win this series in five, just because the lack of shot creation around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, there's not really much. I mean, Jordan Clarkson's played pretty well since he got to Utah. But um, aside from that, especially now that we know Mike Conley's not going to be there, it's it's kind of lacking in terms of perimeter creation. And a guy like Bogdanovich, like Kevin was saying, is such a big loss for a team like Utah, which absolutely needs all the offense they can get. And I just think Denver is going to overpower them in terms of their weapons. They've got guys like Michael Porter Jr. coming off the bench and Jamal Murray starting to play good again in the bubble. And we can't forget about Jokic. I think Jokic's game isn't really going to get neutralized by a guy like Rudy Gobert because he can affect the game in so many different ways, whether it's playmaking, shooting, rebounding. So however he decides to impact the game, it's going to be positive for Denver. And I just think the Utah Jazz are a little overmatched in this series. Yeah, no, I completely agree with both of you guys. I think the Utah Jazz are going to be overmatched. No Bogdanovich is a huge loss I think the Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley experiment hasn't worked exactly how they plan. And just the, the Nuggets in general, they're just deep and they're exciting. And like like you guys said, like Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter has really, really stepped up in this bubble. And like they still have a guy like Paul Millsap, who's a savvy veteran. They got guys like Gary Harris and Will Barton. So they have like depth everywhere you look. Um, defensively, they're not that good of a team, which might give, like, I, I have the Nuggets winning in six. The Nuggets are kind of a juggernaut, kind of not. Like, they're tough to figure out just because they're so deep. They're a top-five-ranked offense, but they don't shoot the ball well. Like, their offense is kind of predicated on their ability to move the ball. Like, they're fifth in the league in assist ratio. Like, the ball is always moving with this team, and it starts with a guy like like Nikola Jokic. Yeah, they're just not that good of a shooting team, and they're not that good of a defensive team. You know, so... I think that because a lot of their shots just won't fall, even though they find good shots, the Utah Jazz have some sort of a chance here. And Donovan Mitchell is going to have to play out of his freaking mind for some stuff to happen. But I just think, like, at the end of the day, like, just the talent discrepancy is too large. And, like, Mike Malone is also a really great coach here in Denver. So I'm going to go with the Nuggets as well in, in uh, six games. That's my thought. Any any anything else we want to add about the series, or shall we move on? Let's move the next one. I mean, uh, let's, let's move on. It's a high alt- altitude series. So oh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They should. Um, I I don't know if you guys know. Uh, there's like these kinds of desks that there's a button that you can like click on the button and it raises the desk, so it's like ergonomically. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stand, standing desk, man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, good for your health. Yeah, they yeah. Should, they should like have a button that raises the <laughs> floor for this series, just like you put it at a high altitude, just for them to play where they're comfortable. Oh, uh, <laughs> great! Um, because so, I mean, like that's one of the biggest arguments when we go into playoffs about like Denver is yeah. that opposing teams have to come in and play at a high altitude. Now, taking Which, that away, does that decrease how good they are? But. Dude, that here's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. Like, Nikola Jokic should die in high altitude. Last year, exactly. This year he got slipped, but like last year, chunky Jokic. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. That lactic acid buildup on him. Dude, geez. he was he was he was thick throughout the season. He's slim now in the bubble. Yeah, this he's slim in the bubble. Like, That's true. Jokic, 
Bubble Jokic is probably what they need in like high at high altitude. Also, so what did they what did they do in the bubble where like all these players just got slim? Like did they starve these guys? Because like Gasol came back super slim. Um, uh, so did Lowry. So did Jokic and Carmelo. Like these guys just got slim. Yeah, makes no sense. Anyways, I, I need their diet plan, man. Yeah, I know. I, I just think it's like you got to prepare for a shorter season for more of a sprint than a marathon. So I, I don't. I'm not with it. The chunkier, the better. Yeah, I know you like units, so I love units. Probably a bad look for for uh, your cause, but anyway, oh, yeah. we're gonna move on. The Houston Rockets versus the Oklahoma City Thunder. Russell Westbrook won't be around for who knows how long. Uh, it seems like it's gonna be a couple of games, but I'm I'm really not too sure. Um, this is for me. This is probably the most interesting um, series, just because. The Houston Rockets, they could be either really, really, really good or really, really, really bad because they just shoot so many threes, and it makes me so happy because of how analytically driven they are. And, like, ultimately, I'm going to go with the Rockets in seven games, but I think this series is just going to be really, really interesting. Like, the the Thunder, they've been one of the great surprises this season. They're a top-10 defensive team. They have an elite backcourt with Shy and Chris Paul. And there's just so much that Chris Paul does on the court that creates winning plays, you know. And we should probably all be taking shots for every time Chris Paul instigates a fight against his former team. But I just think I just think at the end of the day, the Rockets just have so many shooters. And we gotta credit their defense as well. Since they traded like literally every single guy who's tall on their <laughs> Like they've they've become a better defensive team by the numbers. Like Robert Covington has been such an amazing pickup for them, and obviously they have guys like like PJ Tucker. They have House. They have obviously they have Austin Rivers and and James Harden. Russell Westbrook is going to be back eventually, and with the paint not being clogged up anymore, the way they've been running their offenses, Russell Westbrook gets to attack the paint whenever he wants, and there's always going to be kickouts for him available, ready to shoot the ball. So I just think that. In a seven-game series, when the Rockets need to shoot the ball well four times out of in seven games, I think they're going to find a way to just explode. Mm-hmm. You know, like like the Oklahoma City Thunder have been a really good story all season long, but I mean they're they're a good defensive team. They're not a great offensive team. They're not great at rebounding the ball. They're 22nd rebound percentage, 23rd in rebounds per game. So when you're going up against a much smaller team, you would you would hope that they can like dominate the, the boards, but they just haven't been doing that all season long. So I'm going to go with the Rockets in seven. Mm-hmm. John, what you got? So I actually have it going the other way. I got the Oklahoma City Thunder winning in seven. Uh, part of that is a little bit because I want to see Chris Paul get revenge against Houston. Um, I remember, what was it like one postseason ago or two postseasons ago, Chris Paul was trying to tell James Harden about like a play they're going to run. And he uh, went up to get a fist bump from James Harden. And then he just like slapped his hand out and um, mm-hmm. hit Chris Paul. So I'm, I'm invested in the beef. That's for sure. But when I look at these two teams, when we heard about the news that Russell Westbrook was going to be injured and potentially out, depending on how long the series goes, it, I thought it was like a pretty big blow for the Houston Rockets just because They've created their offense to where Russell Westbrook is the main ball handler, and he's the one that's always initiating besides James Harden. Like, they usually alternate. But when they have Westbrook on the court, he's he's that magnet that pulls all the defenders to him as he drives to the rim. And that's what opens up all the shooters around for Houston to catch fire. Because Westbrook might not be playing for most of this series, I picked the Thunder to, to win this series in seven. But I also see this series as a series where it's not going to have a lot of trends. I think it's going to be up and down for most of the series. One game, you're going to see the Rockets maybe like miss 33-point shots. And then next game, they might blow them out by 30 points. And they've hit like at least 40% of their threes. I think this is going to be a really irregular series. And it's going to be a hard series to identify any sort of trends game to game. Each game is going to be like a little mini series in itself. So I'm just picking the Rockets, or not sorry, the Thunder, based on the fact that they have that consistency of Chris Paul. They've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and they've got Dennis Schroeder. And I think a big factor, no pun intended, would be uh, Steven Adams. 
just because there's no one inside really that can defend him. And I think the pick and roll with Chris Paul and Steven Adams is going to be a, a major key that the Thunder should look to exploit. So, uh, no, I, I get everything that you're saying, but Steven Adams, I think the trouble he's going to run into is James Harden. James Harden broke down the science of fouling, uh, uh, drawing the fouls. And I think Steven Adams could get in a little bit of foul trouble. But even if Steven Adams doesn't get in foul trouble, I think he's going to have an issue with the way the Rockets offense works. He really has to step outside the paint and uh, play at the perimeter because a lot of times you look at the big man for uh, the Rockets. It's P.J. Tucker, and he stays in the corner waiting for James or uh, Westbrook to kick it out to him. And I actually like the Rockets' chance more that Westbrook is sitting out. The problem Ooh. with Westbrook is that when I see him play, uh, he it's not efficient. It's really not efficient. I'm not an analytical guy, but just purely by lo- watching the game, right? I like taking the overs on a lot of the Rockets game just because that's the right thing to do. When Harden's there, they're scoring. The offense is moving smooth. Harden either goes and scores or he's able to kick it out, find an open guy. And right now, Macklemore has been stepping up. House has been shooting the lights out. Um, uh, Covington, he's doing really well. And P.J. Tucker, he can hit a shot once in a while from the three. But that that's that's one of the biggest reasons why I have Rockets uh, winning in six games uh, against the th- Thunder. But uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Westbrook is still electric. I, he can still break down defenses like none other. He can still cram it on people. But I want to see that efficient offense that uh, James Harden is able to run rather than Westbrook. That's why I have Rockets over there. I, I just think the Rockets have just too much firepower for a team that just doesn't have that many offensive options and yeah. like I get that sometimes Russell Westbrook could be kind of confusing to watch but I'll give him credit with this he started shooting the three a, a lot less since he came to Houston <laughs> which like it's good because he was one of the worst three-point shooters in basketball <laughs> yet he takes open threes a lot and even like contested threes and there's a reason look if if you're consistently open from beyond the arc there's a reason why Mm-hmm. They want you to shoot that. Yeah. Your job is to say, no, I'm not going to fall for this trap. And Russell Westbrook, who, like, he has high basketball IQ, but he's one of those guys who has a little too much faith in himself sometimes. <laughs> so it's really good <laughs> him kind of not taking those shots. It's like, yeah. the, dude, they have a lot of shooters over there in Houston. Let the shooter shoot. And you have to break down defenses. That's what exactly. you and Jake have to do. You break down defenses. You get to the foul line. You get the other team in foul trouble. If there's too much going on in the paint, you kick the ball out for an open look. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, also, we forgot another legend who's on the Rockets, Luke Mbamute. Oh, he's, he's on the team? He's on the roster. He put up minutes the other day, oh, like two days ago. Oh, shoot. Yeah. That's yeah. Big. Yeah, he's, he's real big. Lukumba Mute is a Swiss Army knife of basketball players. He's the Honda Civic of basketball players. Man's reliable. He won't go. He will not drop ten points, but he will do like two, 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 and two every single time if you need him to. <laughs> I mean, that helps. That, that helps. really helps, man. That really helps. And he's like, but you know what? The league, for some reason, loves veteran presence. And that's, like, the big thing. So, you know what? Lukumba Mute, he's the definition of veteran presence yeah. as well. There we, there we go. Um, so, that's it for the Western Conference. Uh, let's to the Eastern Conference. One more time, guys. Ballandroll.com covering you all playoffs long. Be sure to stay locked in. Um, guys, we're not going to spend too much time on this. Let's have a minute of silence for the Orlando Magic. We're going to take on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, just a question for you guys, and we're mo- we'll move on. Will the Magic win one game in this series? No. So I, I had Milwaukee in four, but I don't know. I just feel like Orlando can somehow sneak in one. Like DJ Augustine is going to single-handedly take the team and win them one game. So I still have Milwaukee sweep, but I could see a future where uh, Orlando wins one. Do you know what I think is going to happen? If you guys remember the uh, first round of last last year's playoffs were in the Milwaukee, I think they faced like Detroit, and yeah, they yeah. won every single game by like 25. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. You think so? Like, something like that. I yeah. just, I think it's like, I'm, I'm just really happy that the Orlando Magic can just like drive home 
after. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a pretty good luxury they're going to have. Uh, I think if they had Isaac, they would have had a better chance at winning one game just because he's so integral to their defensive game plan and he's a type of uh, player that can be built to at least slow down Giannis a little bit. But nobody's there to slow down Giannis. They're going to win probably one game by 40 at least. Yeah, It's going to be tough because also – like Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks have the top-ranked defense. The Magic just struggle scoring so much. Yeah, there's so much length coming at you with Isaac gone. Like you needed him against Giannis. Yeah. This, like, imagine if this team had to fly home after this and go on a plane and sit sit there after like losing by like combined combined 100 points in four games. Like I'm so glad they can just get into their cars and just go home and pretend this experience never happened. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I would have given Orlando also a chance if um, another legend on their team was active, Alfaro Camino, but unfortunately he's out for the season. So that really hurts their chances. Huge loss. Mo Bamba's gone now, too. Uh, for some Is he sort of, out? Uh, he's yeah, not listed he, on the injuries. No, he he left the bubble after uh, their last game because what? Uh, I think he's getting surgery or something. Um, what? Uh, uh, Kevin, you... How about this, Kevin? We're gonna. I'm gonna start off the Raptors versus Nets. You Google Mobamba, and we'll get back to you on that because I think Mobamba's gone forever until next year. So, Raptors versus Nets, the Fuck Brooklyn series. Um, I think the Nets are the, the Nets in the bubble so far. They've gotten lucky playing against unengaged, disengaged teams like the Milwaukee Bucks. When they beat the Bucks, the Bucks were resting literally everybody. And the, and the Nets found a way to win. I believe they were resting a bunch of players against the Clippers. The Clippers were resting a bunch of players, and the Nets won. Like the Blazers, they're soft defensively, and the Nets exposed their, uh, the Blazers defensively. I don't think the Nets are good. I don't think, they're, they, I don't think they have nearly enough talent to compete at all. Um, I have the Raptors winning in five games just because some random player is going to pull a DJ Augustine and win game one. But if uh, all I know is the Raptors are just so deep. They're so elite defensively. They're so well coached. Um, offensively, I have like a, a couple of questions, which we've talked about in the last few pods in terms of their like half-court offense um, and how they're going to do in the half-court when the pace slows down in the playoffs. But I just think defensively, they're going to make a team like the Nets struggle so much. Like there's... So much length, so much athleticism. The high, the IQ is off the charts with the Raptors. Like they, they're the best, best at defending the three as well. Um, they, they clog up the paint. You can't score inside. Like there's just so much here that the Nets are just gonna struggle a ton. And the Raptors are. I hope they win Game One. I like need that for my general sanity, but just because I'm a Raptor fan, I'm gonna go with Raptors in five over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's the educated guess. Just um, watching the Raptors all these years, and then seeing them blow Game One for whatever reason. But like historically, the Raptors have been like re- really bad in Game Ones to begin with. Like even before this era that we're currently in, I think they've only won one out of twelve Game Ones in Round One that they've ever played. So history is definitely not on their side, but. I just think in general, the Nets don't really have a chance in this series because, like like you were saying, Richard, the Raptor defense is just too elite to where there's no way they're not going to stop whatever Brooklyn wants to do. I mean, their top options on, on offense are probably going to be Karis LeVert and Joe Harris, who are good players, but they're definitely going to be swarmed by the Raptor defense, and they don't really have any other options to go to. I mean, we talked about the other players on the Nets, but... I just don't see them doing what they would want to do in this series, which is like make the Raptors uncomfortable. And even a guy like Pascal Siakam, who struggled throughout the bubble so far, I could see him get it going against a team like the Nets because there's not really too many guys out there that are built to defend him. Yeah. So it's really on Pascal to develop that rhythm in this series. But yeah, I'd, I have to pick the Raptors in five as well, just because I think they're probably still going to drop game one no matter what. But yeah. hey, man, if it's if it's superstition and it leads to a title again, I'm all for it. <laughs> I'll endure that heartbreak for one night and then, or two nights, whatever. And then the next game, we should blow them out, and then we should take the series from there. What do you got, Kevin? 
So, okay, before I, I, I give my predictions over here, uh, I, I need to get beep, 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 beep. I need to Mo get back Bamba. to you with the Mobamba. So, Mobamba leaves bubble for post-coronavirus evaluation. Oh. Uh, Mobamba says, uh, Magic says Bamba out for the year had COVID-19 in June. Yeah, so it's like, uh, yeah, he got the Rona, but yeah. that's crazy. Anyways, okay, going back to the Brooklyn and Milwaukee Bucks game. I don't even know why I'm talking about this. I don't even know why I'm fighting for the Nets over here. Okay, <laughs> to Nets credit, okay, Joe Harris uh, and not, yeah, yeah, Joe Harris and Chris LeVert were sitting out that game. And so was Jared Allen. And Milwaukee, they had the full roster, except for second half, uh, they didn't play Giannis or Middleton. And, okay, Brooklyn Nets, the first half, they were up by eight points. We'll, we'll leave it at that. So, I don't know. Brooklyn Nets, if they catch fire, they can take one game. They, I think they can take one game. <laughs> because of that, I have Toronto in five. Okay. I thought you were about to say the Nets could win now. Um, Should but, I? I mean, I, I, you can. Like, here's my thing with the Nets. They're, I can keep it they, spicy. They, Look, what, one thing I noticed about the Nets so far is they try really, really hard. Like, they're one of those teams, like, the effort is always going to be there. But, like, they're 25th in the league in three-point shooting. They're not a good offensive team. Karis LaVert is really the only player there who can create offense. And you have a guy like OG Ananobi who you can throw on him and essentially neutralize him, right? Like, Harris is a good shooter, but, like, he can't create his own shot, you know. Um, the the one thing with the Nets is they're a very high-paced team, so they really love to run. So if the Raptors, like, can slow them down a little bit, then it's just going to be a complete no contest. Mm -hmm. um, but let's get to, like, the two somewhat interesting series in this, yeah, in this first round of the East. So we got the Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76. I want the Celtics to win this series in four games. I want them to absolutely destroy the Sixers just so the Sixers fire Elton Brand, fire Brad Brown, change everything in their front office, and give Ben Simmons the tools that he needs to succeed. And I just hate the narrative that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can't play together when the issues are so much bigger than that. The issues aren't on the court. It's literally with how... The, the the main guys up top like construct this this roster and it's just been so so brutally done since Sam Hinkie died for their sins. So that being said, I think the Celtics, like kind of like the Clippers, they're a top five offensive team, top five defensive team in the league. They're really really good. They're a legit team and they're very well coached. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have taken like steps towards like like. They can, in my mind, they could have both been all stars this season, but only Jason Tatum was that all star. They are playing that well, and Kemba Walker provided them like so much stability after Kyrie left, and like Theus has been really good. You know, um, they have so many tools for just creating defensive mismatches. So I think, I think that the Celtics are going to take this one in six games. I just don't think the I think there's such a big mess in Philadelphia that Joel Embiid is going to have to play out of his mind for this series to go to the Sixers, and I just don't think he will be able to do that. John, Hey, I see it the same way. I actually got the Celtics in five just because I don't really, I don't really believe in Brett Brown, and I don't believe in his coaching. I don't believe in Joel Embiid's ability to swing this series. Although, to be fair, the Sixers can swing the series if Joel Embiid is that guy that's dropping like 45 points a game. Because the Celtics don't really have a, an option for him in terms of a one-on-one -on -one defender. But I think the Celtics will figure it out. They'll find some sort of way to contain Embiid with like, I don't know, if they're going to throw Tice along with uh, Ennis Cantor and some other players to uh, try to slow down Embiid then that'll be probably Boston's best game plan. But yeah. if the Philadelphia has any chance of winning this, it's got to be Embiid, but it also has to be some other guys. Like, who's going to step up besides Embiid? Is it going to be Tobias Harris, who is making $190 million um, on his contract? So for Sixers fans, they're hoping he can be that guy. You also got a guy like Josh Richardson, for example, who's a pretty decent shooter. Is he going to be the guy who can step up? 
And I also think Matisse Thybul is a big X factor in this series too because he's a player that can potentially defend a guy like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. So if he can neutralize one of the two, then that could help the Sixers. But I just don't put much stock on Brett Brown as a coach. He's been out coaching the playoffs a lot already. You saw in the first time these two teams matched up, Brad Stevens completely washed him. And then you look at last year when Nick Nurse, I mean, that team last year with Philadelphia, I think they were talented enough to win the title. I just don't think they had the right guy behind the bench. And ultimately, that's what happened when they got knocked out by the Raptors. Albeit, some some people say it was a lucky shot. But um, regardless of what happened, Toronto got by them. And I just don't think Brett Brown's the right guy in Philadelphia. I mean, I'm rooting for him. I hope he finds a better home somewhere else where he can truly show um, his coaching potential, if he has any. But Boston is just too overwhelming in terms of their offense. They've got four guys in... Mm. Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward, who can create their own shot and play make for others. So mm-hmm. that that alone is just too overwhelming for Philadelphia. And I think they're going to get it done in five, as long as uh, they figure out the whole Embiid situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. dude, sorry, one one sec, Kev. Like you you mentioned how Brett Brown got out coached by like Brad Stevens and Nick Nurse, who lead like really good teams, like. Last season, Brett Brown got out coached by Kenny Atkinson with the Nets, and the Sixers just got by because they had so much more talent. You know, like they, there needs to be a change here with the Sixers, and it starts from the top. But yeah, sorry, go ahead, Kev. Let's not talk about Kenny Atkinson like he's a bum coach. I think Kenny Atkinson is one of the best coaching candidates out there for any team, especially Chicago Bulls. If you guys are listening, please, please, for the love of God. Call Kenny Atkinson and not David Fisdale or Jason Kidd or any of those guys. Okay, please and thank you. But Sixers, I think they could take one game. I think they could take one game. If uh, Furkan Korkmaz and Raul Neto, they light it up, they could take one game. But other than that, I got Boston winning in five easy. Uh, just because I just like what you guys said, they are a very good defensive team, but also they're a very, very good offensive team. And having a good uh, coach who can draw up the plays according to the situation, uh, it really helps a team like Boston. Uh, Gordon Hayward has been lighting it up in the bubble. You know, at the beginning of the season, we were worried about how inconsistent he was, but now he's doing really well. But the one thing is that I think we're awaiting. Uh, he's awaiting the birth of his kid as well. And he kind of, uh, suggests, uh, he, he said earlier that he will leave the bubble when, when that time comes up. And I, I was hoping it was earlier because if it's going towards the next round, then that's going to be a loss for Boston. But at the same time, Boston in five next game, um, Indiana versus Miami, number four seed, Indiana versus number five seed Miami. Uh, this is. The series I am so, so, so excited for. Uh, there is so much beef between them taking back to Lance Stevenson versus LeBron James era, blowing in the ear, uh, trying to untie shoelace, that whole shebang, um, you know, from back then. And now it's Jimmy Butler versus TJ Warren. TJ Warren is an absolute beta because uh, right before their last match, TJ went online and saying, you know, it was just in the heat of the game. That's such a beta move. Dude, call him out. Talk some trash because Jimmy wasn't he wasn't there for that and he shut you down that game. Anyways, but say whatever we want. I think Miami's gonna take it in five because they're just a very talented team. Prayers go out to Derek Jones Jr. Um, I hope he's okay. I I know it was a neck injury, but uh, I I don't know what exactly what the, was the conclusion of it. And that's gonna be a, a little loss for a team like Miami because he was that spurt of energy coming off the bench where you know he will die for that loose ball. He will his athleticism will take him to the sky to grab boards. He was just there. He was just electric. So that's going to be a loss. But at the same time, I think Jimmy is just going to get it done. Miami, Miami in five. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I mean, I see the same way. I also got Miami in five just because Indiana is missing a lot of the pieces that made them a successful team this year. Look at guys like DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Malcolm. Well, I think Malcolm Brogdon is playing, but Victor Oladipo isn't necessarily healthy. And just in general, they're not the same team that they would have been if they were healthy. And I put a lot of stock also in the fact that Victor Oladipo, he's he's a player that can turn around this series when he's healthy. 
And you look at their matchup a couple of years back versus Cleveland. I don't think anybody was expecting the Pacers to push the Cavs to seven. Granted, the Cavs didn't really take the Pacers too seriously, and maybe that could have played a factor. But the Pacers are a good team. When they're all together, all healthy, I think they're the sixth best defensive rating in the league. So that that's a big factor in this series. But ultimately, Miami, as they are right now, they're just too deep for the Pacers, especially with all their injuries. And the way I see it going, TJ Warren is probably going to his, this phase of his career where he's playing really good in the bubble, I hope this doesn't happen to him, but it's going to be kind of like Lynn Sanity-esque. I don't think he might, I don't think he'll reach the same levels that he's playing at right now. And I think it's going to end here with uh, Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler shutting him down. Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, obviously, obviously TJ Warren is not going to be averaging 32 points per game for the rest of his career. Um, before I give thoughts, <laughs> on this series. I just want to go back to that Kenny Atkinson thing just to apologize to Kevin. What I meant, was, we don't do Kenny Atkinson slander here. Um, what I meant when I said that he got out, that Brett Brown got out coached by Kenny Atkinson was that like, there's another good coach that out coached Brett Brown and Brett's team just happened to win because like his team just had more talent. I respect that. I respect that. My, you know what? That's my bad on assuming what you meant. So I apologize as well. No, no, but I, I, I'm glad we're both in the same boat that Kenny Atkinson is a legendary coach because he yeah. took a team. No, he took he took a bunch of guys and made a team out of them. Yes, exactly. He, yeah. Exactly. That, that's, that could be a movie. But anyway, <laughs> That's a Coach Carter 2 right there. That's a, that's a movie right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but here we go. My thoughts on this series and – you guys know, like, I love Miami, especially Bam Adebayo, and I think Jimmy Butler is an absolute stud who can, who can, like, Jimmy Butler is one of those guys who can carry a team offensively when, in a playoff series, when the pace slows down and teams have, like, teams understand their defensive assignments a little more, and, like, when things aren't going too well, like, Jimmy Butler is one of those few guys who can still get you points when you need him. That being said, Rich, keep on talking, Jimmy. Like, that being said, like, Miami's just oh. been weird team this season where like sometimes they play so so well and then there are times where you're like what the hell are they doing like what is this team like I will die on my Miami Island that I think they're really really good and I think their ceiling is fighting for an NBA championship like I think they're that good just because of how well coached they are they're an elite three-point shooting team they're good defensively they have a perfect balance of like veteran leadership and youth but, like, there are games where, like, that Milwaukee game they play is, like, it sums up what their season has been like. Like, the first round, the first half of that that game, they're, like, blowing out Miami, uh, Milwaukee. And then the second half, you're, like, what is this team, you know? And then, like, the Bucks just blew their doors off, you know? So, like, it's going to, with this series and just this entire playoffs, like, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of heat team we seek like from a on a game to game basis, um, but that being said, like the oh, Indiana, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, Rich. Okay, so the Miami, okay, the Milwaukee game. Okay, we we've talked about many of the bubble games, and I know we know like, like we're not gonna put too much stock into, it, but like no, the no. Milwaukee game, you got Jimmy wasn't playing, Goran Dragic, who's very effective off the bench, wasn't playing. Oh, but Kev, I was I was trying to use that as like an analogy. Okay, like, okay, okay, in that sense. Like, okay, no, I, yeah, yeah. Like, some games they look like incredible. Of course, yeah. Games where you're like, who is this team? You know. But I think with like a series like this, like the Indiana Pacers, I personally don't think they're well coached. I'm not a big Nate McMillan fan. Ooh, what? I'm I'm not a Nate McMillan is one of the top coaches year. in the league. No, I don't like defensively. They're a good team. I don't think oh, Nate McMillan's okay. used Tyler. Uh, not Tyler. Uh, Jesus. Um, uh, Miles Turner. Yeah, Miles Turner and Sabonis really well. I think a clash. the Indiana Pacers are shooting the fewest threes per game. Like, they're still a very mid-range heavy team, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, and, like, I'm not a big fan of Nate McMillan, and that's probably why he only got a one-year extension this year. Like, because if Indiana was all in on him, they would have given him a longer-term extension, like what Boston gave uh, Brad Stevens uh, a couple days ago. And then, like, on top of, like, kind of what you guys said, like, Sabonis is out, Jeremy Lamb is out, Victor Oladipo is in at 100%. I think TJ Warren is, 
going to be able to do a couple of good things. I think he works really, really well playing alongside like just one big as opposed to when they tried going like two bigs. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon, I think he's really good. But other than that, I just don't think they have enough firepower to keep up with the Heat because the Heat are making shots. Like the Heat make the most, they have the highest three point percentage in the league. They take a ton of threes. The Indiana Pacers are the exact opposite. They take the fewest amount of threes. They're not a good three point shooting team. It's just a clash of styles. And the, and the style that I'm all for is the one with the Heat. And that's why I'm going Heat in, four, in uh, six games here. That's a big thing. I respect that. But yeah, I think that's it. That's all we got for the for the playoffs, the first round. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up? Do we have any like apps in the chat for any anybody other? Oh, Phoenix Suns apps in the chat. Yeah, apps in the chat. Um, yeah, like Big strawberries came back to bite them. How how how, dude? How much does that suck? Like, imagine you're Phoenix Suns, right? You're the players or you're the fan base or whatever it is. They tell you you have a chance, and you go out there and do everything right like you win eight games in a row and i think that's more games in a row like i think how many did they win in a row in the regular season maybe two that they won in a row but yeah they won eight games in a row and against good teams too and you don't get in you know what my um honest feedback to the suns is what don't wait until the final eight games of the season to figure it out They, but it'd be, look, it'd be like that sometimes, Richard. It'd, it'd be like that sometimes. Like that like, sometimes. I'll, I'll, say this. I'll say this. They won 19 games last season. This has been a huge step forward for them as an organization. Like last year, they were like 28th and 29th in offense and defense. This year, they're like middle of the pack for both. So like, good for that. Adding Rubio to that squad really Dude. did them a lot of favor. Having a guy who was able to actually handle the ball and facilitate yeah. uh, Booker... And Mikhail Bridges, who's lighting it, and Cam Johnson, like he's do, like he's a great ad, and I think they have a bright future ahead of them if they do it properly. Yeah, I, I think so too, and that's the that's the key thing. Like if they do it properly, and what we know about the Phoenix Suns is they they tend to not, and like yeah, like the the in prior years, the last few years, like they were just so young, you know, like DeAndre Ayton was still a rookie. And they were just making so many dumb mistakes. And there was just like a coaching carousel for them as well. I think Monty Williams was just like the perfect coach for them. And they brought also brought in like veteran pieces like Baines, like Rubio, um, like Dario Saric, you know, stability, which they needed. And then obviously that like the extra year of development for DeAndre Ayton, like DeAndre Ayton has played really, really well this season. Like they're all out for like 20 games with PED suspension. Do you yeah. think that played a factor yeah, in his was, development? I mean, there was that, but like he has had a really good season around that. And like, there's a lot of talk about like Luka Doncic and Trey Young being the best in that class, and like rightfully so. But like DeAndre Aiden has balled out this season. He's good. And like alongside Devin Booker, like that's a really nice tandem to have. And then you have like guys like Michael Bridges and and. Um, Cameron Johnson, who are, like, a good young shooters to pair around them, uh, those guys. Like, we'll see what happens to Phoenix. Yes. Yo, can I just say, too, that no one's really making a big deal out of the Spurs making not making the playoffs because they played less games. I think that's, like, a big F in the chat if you're asking me because the fact that they couldn't get a chance at the play-in just because they didn't play enough games is kind of – that kind of sucks, like. Yeah, they had a chance yeah. to make it, man. Yeah, dude, I think Portland played more games than every other team around them in that like yeah. eighth race, which I found really, really weird. But but as a, as an NBA fan, would you rather see Spurs or Portland in the playoffs? I mean, I'd rather see Portland, but it just comes down to like you can't have that. And um, at the end of the day, like I know you guys mentioned at the beginning that you're fans of this playing tournament. Uh, personally, like I get why it plays this year but like next year if we have like 82 games like, i don't want to see a playing tournament after that dude it'd be kind of cool it's like getting sent to the gulag in the war zone yeah or like that's a what wild it is card game in baseball <laughs> yeah but like for, for with baseball it's different you know like with those games it's different because you can win like the bad the worst team can always like upset the better team in the nba just so star driven like the top teams will pretty much win all the time so, like, for example, let's say the Washington Wizards 
made it uh, made it to a playing game. Like, do you think I really care about Washington versus Orlando? Whoever go gets gets slapped by Milwaukee, you know? Yeah. Like, I I think That's like w- when when a season's going as it is, I think you have 82 games to make the playoffs. Like, why do the teams like the eight and nine seeds who are going to fall out after the first round? Why do they deserve that extra like that extra playing round? Excitement, you know? man. It, there, there is a little bit of excitement in that. Like, okay, so if Memphis had Jaron Jackson, I mean, they they could have rightly so probably held that eighth spot. And then a team like either Portland or Spurs, or even, let's just say even Phoenix Suns. Imagine Phoenix Suns was a ninth seed. Like, would you not be rooting for the Phoenix Suns to win two in a row in order to make the playoffs? Like, I would be, like, to beat Memphis and get it. Like, that would be exciting. Personally, like, uh, no, I don't know. Like, I don't know, Richard. I, I feel like this is one of the very few takes where, like, you might be on an island. Uh, maybe. Yeah. You? Oh man, I have many takes where I'm on an island. <laughs> I, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, that playing round might be exciting for that like two days, but then the Phoenix Suns would have had to go play the Lakers and then get absolutely annihilated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. dude, you know, look, you look at the East. Okay, so save the Wizards. Make it into the eighth. They would get slapped by Milwaukee, but yeah. so will Orlando. Yeah. So why am I? Why are we subjected? We're to get, no, more games? we're getting some excite, exciting games out of like the bum teams. Yeah, you get to see the young guys play. Yeah, you know, to see them Thomas play for some Bryant. meaningful basketball. Exactly. Thomas Bryant has been probably got, the MIP. We're not talking about the bubble MIP, and that's Thomas Bryant. He's got, lighting it up from the three-point line. Time to stop this episode on okay. top of Ryan. Um, okay, guys, this has been this has been a blast. Eventful. We'll be back at some point. Um, our schedule has been kind of messed up with these episodes because of the playoffs. But one more time, ballandroll.com, your spot for the best basketball content on the web, covering you all playoffs long. Shop.ballandroll.com, your spot for the hottest basketball merch on the web. We'll be back eventually. Until then, enjoy the playoffs. Peace. Peace.